Welcome to Sattva Himalayan Wisdom. Join Anand in this episode to take a journey into the science of light. Anne-Marie poses questions which give rise to this infinite knowledge that is Joytish. Namaste Anandji. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm really looking forward to this conversation with you because I have here some commonly asked questions that we received oftentimes relating to the topic of Jyotish. So I think I would love to just start by asking you, you know, in general to speak to what is Jyotish? Thank you. So just the word Jyotish is... uh made up of two distinct sounds, Jyoti and Ishta, Ish, which is the root of Ishta, and Jyoti, which uh, translates to light. So Jyotish has two meanings. One, that is the light of the divine, Jyotisha, the light of the Ishta. And the other meaning is the science of light. Jyotisha within the Yogavedantic tradition is uh, one of the six Veda Angas. There are the four fundamental Vedas within the Yogavedantic tradition. And uh, of the four, there are the six Veda Angas. And of the six Veda Angas, Jyotisha is one of the most important. It's often called the Eye of the Veda. And as we know, the whole Yogavedantic tradition is really fundamentally based on the purpose of it is to help illuminate our journey, help us gain a deeper insight into the nature of reality, into ourselves. And they give us techniques and practices to help facilitate a greater expression of unity consciousness in one's life. So Jyotisha is just part of that great system of knowledge. The purpose of Jyotish is to help facilitate a deeper understanding of our own selves it's just one of the great tools coming down to us from the great Yogavedantic tradition to gain, to help facilitate a clearer and harmonious journey in this incarnation. Anandji, you spoke to the origins of Jyotish. Can you talk a little bit more about the Rishis who are associated with this knowledge, or the scriptures specifically, where this knowledge originates? You know, for the the knowledge of Jyotisha is thousands of years old. It finds, in the written tradition, it finds its origin within the Vedas. As I said before, there is already mentions of Jyotisha in Rig Veda, which is the oldest of the Vedas, and the in later the Atharva Veda as well. And as I just spoke, that it is the Jyotish Shastra is one of the six Veda Angas. And as we know, you see, the Yogavedantic tradition is primarily an oral tradition. 
So most of the Jyotisha knowledge, which is an intricate part of the Yogavedantic knowledge, has been passed down through the Guru Parampara. There are many uh, great masters of the ancient times whose names are closely associated with uh, greater development of this knowledge, including Vashishta, who was one of the masters of Rama, and Vashishta's student Bhrigu and Garga. These were all Vedic rishis whose influence was deeply profound, and they were all masters of Jyotisha, amongst other things. It is important to realize that these, the masters of Jyotisha were not just in an isolated manner. None of the ancient masters were practicing any of these teachings just in a reductionist manner. They were not just astrologers. They were rishis. They were meditators. They were practitioners. They were using the whole body of knowledge and Jyotisha was an, you know, one of the aspects of that great tradition. In the written context, you know, in the later times, one of the, the most complete work that has come to us from the ancient times is the Brihat Prashara Hora, uh, written by Rishi Prashara. Uh, Prashara means that one, the one who enables to see, uh, the one who facilitates seeing, Prashara. And Prashara Rishi has been associated with Vashishta, with Vyasa as a great In, according to some tradition, Rishi uh, Prashara is also considered as the father of Vyasa. Vyasa, who is the. Yeah, according to some stories, according to some, you know, scholars and masters of our tradition, Prashara is considered the father of Vyasa. And Vyasa is the great master who is associated with writing of the Mahabharata amongst other things. So scripturally in the written context what we have had from the ancient times, the most complete work and the most ancient one that has been preserved is Brihat Prasharahura. It is made up of around 4,000 shlokas or sutras. According to one of the ancient writers, the rishis, that there were, according to him, there were four lakh, or that is 400,000 sutras. But what has come down is 4,000. You know, a lot of the written ancient work has been lost as happens, you know, with many uh, old scriptures. But thankfully, there has been a living tradition which has preserved the knowledge much more. It's always been a part of the of the yogic tradition in in a very deep manner. It's really quite incredible when you speak to the history behind Jyotish and how this incredible science is a part of the yogic tradition and an integral part. Can you speak a little bit about how Jyotish really maps out the journey of Atman? You see, from the Yogavedantic perspective, from there is the the nature of self is the pure consciousness. One of the terms that is used in our tradition to 
speak of the self is Atman. And the nature of Atman is Brahman. Brahman is the universality of self, the boundless self, the undifferentiated self. And Atman is the localized Brahman. And the moment there is localization of Brahman, there is relativity, there is time. As we look within ourselves, we see that there is that inner dimension of transcendental stillness. But then there is this part of us who is interacting with time. All our life is in time. We journey through in time. We make choices and decisions in time. We have feedback from nature in time. All our leela happens in time. Jyotish helps us to study time and our interactions with it, the journey of the time-bound self, and how to, once we can gain a deeper insight and understanding onto the flow of energies through our lives, it guides us to help, guides us to to make use of the energies in the highest possible manner, to have greater awareness in our life. Because wherever there is greater awareness, there is greater evolution. Evolution requires awareness. Wherever there is lack of awareness, what we have is a dominance of karma. An individual is stuck in the ever-repeating patterns of one's own karma. And so... Jyotish helps us in gaining a deeper understanding of ourselves, deeper understanding of the flow of time, and enabling us and empowering us with proper knowledge to have an evolutionary journey, right? Use the our incarnation in the highest possible manner. So when you speak to using this incarnation in the highest possible manner, what are the different aspects, the different aspects of the cosmos that, you know, we look at when we're really looking at that individual blueprint of, of an individual, of an individual uh, soul, of an individual person? You see, we have to realize, again, that when we speak of individual, what is an individual is universality localized. The individual is not an isolated phenomena. Uh, all individuality is, is an activity of the whole, for only the whole exists. There is no isolated self. All isolated self is a hallucination generated within the five-sensory identified mind. What underlies this whole experience of isolation is the unity. And each localized self is an activity of the whole. Even when we look at ourselves on this little tiny blue dot floating around, we take our lives for granted, we breathe in oxygen and we generate carbon dioxide. But if you really look, what you have to realize is that you live in a system. It is a self-organizing system that supports life. We live in a third planet from the sun which peoples just like a apple tree apples and a banana tree bananas earth amongst other species also peoples and for the this earth to support life there has to be a system which allows earth to support life 
So the life that is on this planet Earth is not just because of the ozone layer or the presence of water or certain level of atmosphere that we have, but it is a result of the intricate balance that is within the system and then beyond. So the solar system, solar system, is intricately connected to our breath, to our life. We live in a self-organizing system. So as we want to find out, when we want to find out something within the body, we examine the whole body and it gives us a clue into how is the health of your stomach and how is the health of your eyes and how is the health of your different organs of the body. Similarly, we study the system at the moment of your birth, how the system was designed in that particular moment. It just gives us, according to the principles and laws laid out by the Jyotisha Shastra, there are certain fundamental principles and deep knowledge which is laid out. And so we study just how the system was designed. Because again, as I said before, we live in a self-organizing system and our breath, this life that we live, is intricately connected to this system. It is that system that lives ultimately. So we just study the greater system, which is the extended self, and see how it was designed. It just gives us an insight into the patterns of energy. It is important to realize that the whole purpose of Jyotisha is to help serve our journey of evolution, to gain a deeper understanding into ourselves and into the flow of time through our lives. It is not designed as merely a dogmatic understanding of belief in that somehow the planets dictate your life or they govern your life or they are somehow some these evil entities or sitting with a remote control and you know you are merely a you know kind of an entity within a video game you know this our view the yoga vedantic view is that we are not the created but the creators uh, and from that position we explore Jyotish and it helps. First we study the natal chart. There are six fundamental branches within the Vedic astrology and one of them is natal where we study the individual's birth and then see, compare it to where they are at in their current moment and that gives us a, an insight into the flow of one's journey which again one has to realize that we are the creators not the created. Uh, so this is a fundamental understanding and with that, keeping that in mind, we explore. So it's not from the other way that we are somehow the created. No, we are the creators of it all. We are the creators of our karma and ultimately we are the ones who create progressive action, enough momentum to align and raise our lives to the level of dharma. Instead of a karmic life, we get into a dharmic life. And what is the law? Wherever there is dharma, there is victory. So that's the whole invitation of Jyotisha in alliance with the whole yoga Vedantic teachings. There are six fundamental branches within the Jyotish system. First is called Gola, which is the positional astronomy which was, of course, which is the precursor to astrology. It's the astronomy, just studying deeply the 
movement of the planets and their positions. Second is Ganita, which is the mathematical analysis of the positioning. The third is called Jataka, or that is the natal astrology, which is how is the individual's relationship to, the, to that whole. And the fourth is called Prashna, which is addressing any questions, answering the questions that the individual has. Fifth is Mahorata, which is uh, looking at the most aligned times. Uh, Mahorata is about understanding the flow of time and what time is right to do what. Just like it's if you grow rice in the season of rice, rice grows effortlessly. If you try to grow wheat in the season of rice, you have trouble. So that's Mahorata, understanding that what is what activity is supported by the flow of time. And then the sixth is called Nimitta and Upadana, which is uh, Nimitta and Upaya, which is about, you know, synchronicity and understanding finer languages of existence of nature. So you spoke a lot about us being the creators. Can you speak to the Jyotish standpoint on free will versus predeterminism? This is a question and conversation that oftentimes arises. You see, from according to our tradition, there is not a conflict. There is no free will versus predeterminism. As we can verify from our own experience, we don't need to go to a third party to really get an answer to this question. If you look deeply and intimately at your own life, you can see that you have a certain level of free will and you also find that there are certain events that occur in your own life that you, they were outside the domain of your own control. You know, some of the events that shape up, end up shaping your life were not directly chosen by you or, you know, at least consciously or, uh, you know, they seem to be outside. Even the very fact of where you are born, which location you are born and what are the influences that you get in your beginning years which end up playing a huge role in your life. So we find, you know, if even, even this moment as you look, as you are listening to this conversation, um, you are consciously present, you are in this moment, so there is a certain level of free will you are implying, and yet time is passing, you know. The present moment is becoming past and the future is coming into the present. So the time is flowing as you stay in the now. So even as this time flows, you see there are events occurring around you, right, according to certain according to the certain forces at work. So, when we see in our life, we realize that we have the free will and there is also a certain level of predeterminism. Now, this predeterminism from the yogic view is not third party. There is no third party, no individual sitting there and you know generating this destiny. There is not planet sitting there and writing your destiny. That is ridiculous. You know, that the, the predeterminism ultimately uh, 
is also self-generated. It was the self who generated these influences through one's own interaction. That's what we call samskaras or accumulated prarabdhas or karma. Mm-hmm. So, since even the so-called predeterminism is self-created, is actually all free will. Of course, within a certain honoring certain laws of nature, right? You, because you are an expression of consciousness within a certain dimension. We are all, even though we have infinite potential, yet within this incarnation there are certain limitations. You know, as a human being, we have certain limitations uh, and we have to honor that. And there is a certain level of predeterminism in that, that for you to be just to be born in the human body, there is a certain level of predeterministic quality to that, that now you are bound to be human, you know, and you have to honor that humanness, you know, your two legs and two arms and two eyes and, you know, biped and, you know, with your remnants of your tail and all of that, right? So you have to honor that. But yet within that, you have incredible range of free will. And this is an important thing to realize when you elegantly and intelligently use your free will, then that which seemed to be outside of the domain of your control actually becomes your ally, right? Then your life is no more uh, fueled by randomness, but rather by synchronicity. You know, a greater, what we call, you feel a greater support from nature because as you gain greater unity within yourself and elegantly apply your free will in the direction of your own growth and evolution, then your whole life rises up to that level because ultimately all life is working out within your own consciousness. All of it is working out within your own consciousness, right? And so as you lift your consciousness and raise your consciousness state, then your whole life rises up on that level because your life can only be the way you are. And this is an important thing to realize. So it is, and that is why we have to realize that in our tradition, the, when we are talking about Jyotish, it, is, it cannot be taken in isolation. It is part of the whole spiritual tradition. And when you take, remove Jyotish and just pluck it out of that system, then it, you know, it is better not studied because then it's just about, this becomes a little bit dogmatic which is a big disservice to this great, great body of knowledge. It, is a, it can be a phenomenal service when applied in an appropriate manner, how it was designed to serve. It was designed to facilitate a deeper spiritual understanding of our own nature and, and to you know, make this journey of uh, an evolutionary journey, a journey, journey of dharma, mm-hmm. instead of journey, journey which is just creating more and more karma. So... I know there is, you know, in, from the neuroscience standpoint, they speak of this debate still there in the Western Hemisphere, free will versus predeterminism. And because there is a new, you know, you can predict certain level of behavior and by activating certain, you know, areas in the brain, you can make a human being behave in a certain manner. And the, oftentimes you can see the firing of neurons precede how the individual speaks or behaves. And so this, there's this viewpoint that Oh, there is no such thing as free will. But that goes against everything you know intimately in your own experience. Every day, any individual is making choices and you know that deeply within yourself that you exist and that you have a, you have free will. You make these choices every day. 
Now, of course, those choices can be conditioned. You think you are free, but it's actually the marketing company which is making that decision. You didn't choose that. You know, that choice was already made for you. So you feel that you chose that. You know, you reached out for a Coca-Cola, you felt thirsty, really thirsty, and you reached out for a Coke, you know, which is nothing but, you know, it's actually going to create more dehydration in your body. And it's, you know, it's filled with gallops of sugar. And even the, you know, the zero Coke is filled up with all kinds of chemicals. So even for you to reach out for that Coke, you think, oh, it's my choice. But there is also a certain pressure, social conditioning. So to, you are free to the degree you are aware, right? How aware you are, how self deeply self-aware you are, to that degree you are free, right? So that's the whole purpose of Jyotisha. And you, you, the whole yogic system is to help you be the best version of yourself, truly. So free will and predeterminism, ultimately, it is all self-created and you are free to the degree you are aware. Because a lot of times we can think we are free, but we are actually not. Mm. So good, thank you. So let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned influences. For instance, you mentioned when somebody's born, there's certain influences, and these influences can really sculpt many different events and aspects throughout one's life. So can you talk a little bit about the Dasha system and that influence on one's life? Yeah, see, the, in the as I was speaking about the time, Jyotisha is you know studying the positioning of the planets and this movement of our Earth in relationship to the sun, which is really our whole calendar system. Our whole system of calendar and watch is nothing but a relationship of Earth to the sun and the moon. So the planets are not the creators of karma. They're just keepers. They have a certain quality and it's like, and they absorb certain memory and then they radiate that out. Huh? So that's the whole thing. It's like when you, you know, upload something onto the cloud and then you get a new phone and you put your SIM card and put your password and then you get all that old data into your new phone, right? And then depending what kind of operating system you have or you have to upgrade and some of the apps or data might not work, might lose its relevance. So it depends where, at what point of timeline is even your software within that hardware. So the time plays a deep role. And so the Dasha system is a unique system within the Vedic astrology, within Jyotish, which is based on the exact positioning of the moon. In the Vedic system, there are the 12 big star clusters that are used. Within that 12, there are 27 smaller clusters, uh, star clusters, which are called nakshatras. And within that 27, they are further subdivided into 108. And so there's a very f fine precision uh, deep mathematics involved in that and you see exactly uh, to the degree, what was the exact degree of the moon and that generates kind of a certain flow of time uh, where a, a certain planet and there is a certain sequence. In nature you always find the sequence, right? If you, before the mango tree, mangoes, there is the blossom, uh, you know, mm -hmm. that comes on that and then it is followed by the mango tree 
with, um, followed by the f- fruit that is the mango. So there is always a sequence in nature that certain seasons follow certain seasons, right? You you'd never get, you know, in India that after monsoon, after the monsoon season, summer doesn't arrive, right? After the monsoon season, it leads you into the winter. So there is a certain sequence in nature. And so based on this insight, the rishis developed the dasha system where we look at the exact degree of the moon and uh, at the time of the birth and uh, based on that exact degree, a certain planet in the beginning gets the dominant energy. That's called the Mahadasha. And, you know, it has depends on what degree it was. So then you have sequence of dashas after that. And we go at least to three degrees. So Mahadasha, just like you have, you know, in your own watch, usually you would say hours, minutes, and seconds, right? So you have three degrees down. Of course, you can keep going down, but then it's kind of becomes, unless you are, you know, in Formula One or, you know, measuring races, you just go to minutes, hours, and seconds. You know, that's the usual measurement. And that's the measurement in Dasha also. It's called Mahadasha, Antardasha, and Pratyantardasha. And also then in alignment with the transit we look at the how is the flow of time, what are the energies available, what are you know, what is the flavor, what season is an individual, and when you know the season, then you can adapt accordingly. To be able to adapt accordingly is a superpower, right? To adapt it. when you resist what the need of the hour, that's suffering. The more you resist, the more you suffer. So one of the great needs for a successful life is the ability to adapt to the need of the hour in the most and to be able to fulfill the need of the hour in the most elegant manner you know and this is the dasha system can help in that of course we have to realize none of it is like some magic wand thing and no you know and it's just one of the tools it's just one of the tools within the great body of knowledge which is uh, you know the yogadantic tradition thank you can you also speak a little bit to the upayas? Yeah, see, so as I said before, the whole the system of knowledge, this is, you know, is designed to help help us evolve and be our, the best versions of ourselves and uh, have a fulfilling life and a fulfilling death, you know. You can only die the way you live. And so one of the aspects of Jyotisha is Upaya, meaning as you see, you know, if you like, you go to a doctor, you see, okay, you need, he does a checkup or general checkup and you see, oh, you are deficient in vitamin D or, you know, you might be anemic or there might be certain deficiencies or he gives you certain supplements and uh, that help you gain, get back in balance, right? As you go in within the Ayurveda system, we have certain herbs and so on and so forth. So within the Jyotisha, there are upayas to help when you look at the chart and when you're looking at the individual and seeing exact as per where they are in their life, you know, what's going on in their chart. Uh, then you recommend as a properly educated Jyotisha, then you recommend tools to help the individual in their system gain greater balance, greater alignment, and you support the aspects of the individual which need support through different, through mantra, through specific meditations, kriyas, uh, gemstones, and uh, 
other behavioral fundamental again the most important upaya is behavioral change right that you have to again understanding knowledge is the most important resource because it is through knowledge that everything becomes usable if you don't have that shift in your own consciousness and if you don't gain that you know proper understanding then nothing is useful uh, for there can be you know a coffee bean just laying there but if you don't know how to use that coffee bean to make coffee uh, then uh, it's the knowledge of knowing how to use that which makes mm. the coffee a resource right so knowledge is the greater resource so first upaya is helping the individual gain greater understanding and you know and and also you know sometimes just giving sometimes they just have a misunderstanding and also a certain level of acceptance of where they are at whatever is needed to elevate the individual's level of consciousness and then supporting through different tools you know practices mantra kriya shifts in behavior adding certain uh, uh disciplines in their life certain tapahas in their life um through you know different uh using intelligent use of metals and gemstones and herbs so just like you know uh just about adding and enhancing again a lot of time there's a lot of misunderstanding because of incomplete knowledge that you oh, you wear this or you just do this and something will happen no the main thing is you have to shift you and jyotisha is the science of light of self the self has to understand the self has to be genuinely interested in in gaining deeper understanding or you know coming to a deeper realization within oneself and then one can use the tools to support one's journey into greater alignment uh you know into greater well-being thank you so much ananji we could continue there's so many different aspects to jyotish to talk about we can go on and on and on but i think for now this feels really aligned and thank you for all of this beautiful wisdom that you've shared with us today yeah thank you so much and uh yeah i think it's a very powerful and you have to have great maturity and you know a holistic understanding to really make proper use of this body of knowledge as we say at satwa always you know that a body of knowledge is as good as one rendering it right the one applying it because on its own it doesn't do anything so it's the consciousness state of the one applying it and the one receiving it which really make is the fun, fundamental differentiator so there is a lot of misconceptions about about this knowledge and uh, there's a lot of this fatalistic understanding about it also which is really goes against the whole basis of our tradition right uh, the whole point of it if it is fatal why why even go there you don't need to know what's going to happen that's not what it is about right so a lot of time people make it about that it is truly in service of uh, of dharma of gaining insight of evolution is just one of the great tools from this phenomenal phenomenal tradition and it requires as i said it requires great maturity and great sincerity and it can be of great use great great use as a lot of you who are listening know that once you see it it's kind of uh mind blowing how 
how much you can see and you know it's going to be of it just really opens the mind to the to really see the interconnectedness of it all and to see the the great there is a certain meaningfulness in your life and you get a really sense of glimpse into that that there is really soul that you are really a atman you are not just this you know bag of skin you're not just this body you know you ha- there is a continuity to you and uh, it's quite uh, yeah quite powerful quite powerful so yeah thank you for having me here hopefully this is helpful <laughs> to people and it serves them on the journey thank you are you on that's up bye you've been listening to sansa himalayan wisdom Remember to subscribe, like, comment and share.